0: the biggest takeaway is that every single person that starts a company works really hard for years before you even know about that company. And everyone has the same struggle. You know, you always question, people always, you always question like some, at some point, why am I doing this? You know, and then you have to come back to your mission and your goal and keep going forward.
1: Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. Through personal and professional connections in the running world, I have the privilege of getting to know some amazing athletes. I've always been fascinated by the psychological aspect of running, and this podcast is aimed at exploring this and much more. I hope you enjoy. Enjoy. Marnie Salop, joining me on the podcast today. Uh, Marnie, thanks so much for taking some time to chat.
0: It is such an amazing honor to be here, Jonathan.
1: Well, it's an amazing honor to have you. You've got your own prolific podcast, Marnie on the Move. Um, so podcasts on podcasts with great audio is always a, a fun conversation. And thank you for having me on yours. Yes, of course. It is a
0: tremendous luxury to have great audio these days.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is for sure. Well, before we go too far, uh, who is Marnie?
0: All right. Well, since I listened to your podcast and I know this is one of your famous questions, which I'm going to have to switch
1: this one up.
0: (laughs) No, but I really love it. And it's really a good question because, you know, who are we? And so I am a wellness minded athlete yogi and entrepreneur. And that's really, really through and through who I am. I'm also an explorer, an adventurer, and I have a curiosity and passion for life. And I think what I do is really just like one part of who I am. And what I do is I'm a storyteller. I'm the host of the Marnie on the Move podcast. I have a brand and content production company And I'm the founder of Fit Plus Love and PR company founder, The Salop Group. So I think that's me in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. And I'm resilient, courageous, and tenacious.
1: It sounds like you've got a lot of free time (laughs) with all the, the lack of stuff that you do, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's like I constantly keep putting things on my schedule. It's like just when I get to the end, almost to the end of one of the goals or objectives that I set, I like level up bring the bar higher and set another goal.
1: I think that that's, um, a commonality amongst, uh, high achievers that it like, it's never enough, not in a bad way, but like you always want to be doing more and doing more and doing more. And has it always been that way for you?
0: I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, I always say that my passion and, talent just kidding my passion for athleticism <laughs> and running i don't really have t- any talent but my my talent is is keeping going right because i'm not a super fast athlete i just i've just really driven so i think that i always say that my sports kind of influence my career but i also see it vice versa in that you know i always want to keep going keep moving forward and always do more and you know it's it is something that is very uh indicative of somebody who is an entrepreneur i mean i started my own company when i was 22 23 years old doing events in nightclubs and bars and restaurants and i built my pr agency from there and i also kind of simultaneously right around that time started you know running and exercising and working out and so you know i don't know what kind of came first the uh, chicken or the egg but they they really seem to both work really well together
1: i love that what what was the first company you started
0: um so my first company was the salop group and it was my pr agency and that's kind of really how it started for me was working in the world of nightclubs and doing celebrity pr and events and it was was really an interesting time because I wasn't the dedicated athlete that I am now. I was definitely spending more time out in nightclubs and less time running and in the pool.
1: <laughs> and where did the evolution into endurance sport come from?
0: So like i i said i've kind of i've been athletic my entire life so it started when i was a kid my mom likes to say that you know i started running at 9 because 9 months sorry because i you know showed up in their bedroom in the middle of the night climbed out of my crib and was on the move i was an ice skater horseback riding bike riding all of that and then i really kind of got into flash forward i've been working out and exercising my whole life and Probably about 15 years ago, I started more seriously running a few times a week, like three to five miles. I just kind of started doing more with my company, the Salop Group, and a client of mine invited me to do a triathlon. And when I say that, I mean, she was a client and I offered, she was a PR client, she was a nutritionist, and I offered to drive her to a race. Because as a publicist, you know, you do everything for your clients. And she said that in order to drive her, I would have to do it. And I was like, I don't know how to swim. And so (laughs) luckily, I belonged to Chelsea Piers and I was able to start swimming. And so my running sort of morphed into triathlon. But that's kind of really where it began. And after I did my first sprint triathlon, I caught the running bug of all of that from all three sports. I really loved running. And so I signed up for my first half marathon, which was also in Staten Island.
1: Nice. And what yeah. what were you feeling when you crossed that first finish line?
0: I think I was really just happy to be alive. I mean, it was really scary to do a triathlon, especially because I really wasn't a strong swimmer and it was in open water. It was in Staten Island and everything else was easy, the bike and the run. But I, I felt really like really happy to be alive and then I immediately went home and signed up for another race
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love that like you felt alive Um, I had a conversation with Shalane Flanagan before my last marathon and she said have fun I feel I never feel more alive than I do when I'm racing and it's that feeling of the unknown and like what's going to happen next Um, and then particularly for the, for the, for that first one. Um, so how did you, how did you go from that first triathlon to, um, the half marathon? Did you just dive right in and said, I'm going to do it in two months or was there some sort of training involved?
0: Yeah. So actually I started training. I mean, I just, I think that I just was self-training at the time. And I, you know, so after the triathlon, the first triathlon I did was in June and it was a sprint. And then the Staten Island half is in October. So I just slowly started building my endurance and building the miles. And I already knew that I had a little endurance, but, you know, at that time I knew nothing really about running from a technical standpoint. So I just started running one foot in front of the other. And that's kind of how I got there.
1: And then- um we talk about finish lines for the first uh for the first one how did that first half marathon feel
0: it was definitely challenging like i said i had no real training so i was <laughs> pleasantly surprised and i definitely realized that i needed to get a coach so you know it was not it was good it was very eye opening and it was fun it was really fun
1: and then what happened next
0: so after that i mean I can remember it was like 2011, and I, you know, after that race, I started signing up for more and more races. I don't remember what my next race was after the Staten Island half. I think it was Brooklyn, and then I signed up for a, another sprint triathlon in on the North Fork of Long Island, and so I really was doing a mix of triathlon and running, and it's still, you know, from 2011 until 2021, always a really tricky balance for me because I love them both so much. So what came, so then I, you know, yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and so like to date, you know, now I just did my first marathon in 2019.
1: And why did you want to run the marathon?
0: Because I really felt like it was an amazing opportunity to run in New York city. I did the New York city marathon to see all the different boroughs and to try a new distance because I never say never. And I always say the more I do, the more I can do. So I could never turn down a good challenge.
1: I, yeah, I think that the, um, the challenge aspect or the, um, always want to do more is fascinating. Um, I, in 2018, I was talking with a friend about doing rim to rim in 2019, and January February comes around, and we start talking spreadsheets and distances and um, putting a group together to do it. And we decided in October, so this was January, and I was like, "I can do 22 miles in the Grand Canyon today." So I probably should commit to something more more than that. And my <laughs> longest run yeah. my longest run to date was a 50k. And Rim to Rim to Rim is, I don't know, 42 to 45, uh, depending on whose watch you look at. And I was like, that scares the shit out of me. And I should probably sign up, or not sign up, I should probably commit to doing that um, because I can't do it right now. Uh, if I, I think if I went out that day, I, I probably would have struggled a whole lot more than I ended up struggling. Um, but I think that that sort of pursuit of... What's just a little beyond your capability um, is worthwhile and that's where the the growth happens.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And it's always, you know, I think that, you know, when you're talking about getting a little bit beyond your comfort level, right, a little bit out of your comfort zone where it's not such a far unreachable goal, right, where you set yourself up for success, you're not saying I'm going to go run you know, 100 miles, you're setting a realistic goal for yourself. And I think that's really important. I think you learn that from racing and you learn that from business is that, you know, every day you want to set yourself up a little bit more for something successful to meet certain goals. And um, I do love that about racing, though, that it really sort of teaches me that I can just always go a little bit further. I can always challenge myself and everything is possible. You just have to train for it.
1: <laughs> yes, the training for it is uh, is a critical Keep. mission critical component. It's funny when people say, "Oh, I, I signed up for a marathon and I didn't train for it." It's like you know that these things can be fun, right? They don't have to suck. Yeah. Um, so, what's what's the what's the approach to training in 2021? How are you handling the the lack of racing and structure and all that fun stuff?
0: So in 2021, I actually just, I just signed up for a little while. Well, I just signed up for a triathlon, a 70.3 this summer in the Finger Lakes. And if it doesn't happen, I'm just going to do my own 70.3. That's what I decided. So I'm training for races like they're happening. And if they don't happen, I'm doing them anyway. And that's, you know, and I think, you know, I'm going to probably, you know, for me, I live in New York City. So I'll drive out to the Hamptons. I have a whole plan. I'm going to park my car in Sag Harbor. I love this open water swim at Long Beach. It's usually pretty flat and shallow. I can easily swim, you know, a little over a mile, the distance of the 70.3, and then ride my bike out to Montauk back to the parking lot. And then I can run all along uh, that whole flat beach area. And so that's my plan. And in terms of my approach to training, I'm doing what I always do. I'm training in, you know, on the West Side Highway. I'm training in Central Park. I have really great warm weather gear for cycling outdoors. And I'll probably start doing that again. I have a ride planned for this Tuesday because it's supposed to be really nice out in the city. Uh, to go out over 9W, up over the George Washington Bridge, and I'm ready. I'm ready to to race, so bring it on. That's how I feel. A year ago today, I was crying. <laughs> so, you <laughs> know, I think I really, really, in, in retrospect, in hindsight, 2020 training and racing, obviously there were no races, but 2020 just even training was such a challenge mentally because... Everybody, I know I'm not alone. Everybody was so scared. And I was, you know, I was scared to get out on my bike because I felt like, God forbid, something happened, right? And I crashed. Then I wouldn't want to take up a space in a hospital where somebody who was really sick needed to be. And with running, I couldn't run out on the West Side Highway or, you know, there were so many people outside walking and I was really, really nervous. So I started running through the streets of the West Village and Soho and Tribeca. And I just, it was amazing because I never do that. And I really had to reset and recalibrate my goals, my training, everything. And I had this whole new approach to training, which was just have fun. You know, don't make it about time. Don't make it about distance. Like there's no real goal. Just move every day and appreciate that you can move, that you have lungs, that you're not sick, that, you know, that you can do all these things.
1: Yeah. I think the gratitude component is huge. I talk a lot about that on this podcast, um, and people use that practice in different ways for sure. Um, and none more, uh, common or consistent than how people were using it in 2020. Like I am healthy. I have a job. You know, uh, I have a family. I have a roof over my house, and like the f- the basics and the fundamentals of like living became things that people previously took for granted that became they became appreciative of. And I think that um, for those that were able to do that uh, or had the, that as the case, uh, that's definitely a good thing.
0: Yeah. Speaking of gratitude, I just rejoined my gym to start swimming again. And I have never really loved swimming. And now I'm just so grateful to be able to be back in the pool and to be able to swim. Like I never realized how amazing it was and how much, you know, like how much value and benefit there was mentally, physically to swimming. And I just have a newfound appreciation for the pool, for chlorine, for all of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, I'm the same way with um, the sauna. Like I used to go three times a week, and I haven't been in a sauna since January of 2020. And I mean, it sounds ridiculous to complain about, but um, that was my my place where I would turn my brain off and just sit and and do nothing for 20 minutes. And um, it's where I sort of developed a gratitude practice. And I have a couple of friends who do like a morning gratitude or evening gratitude. and I would do sauna gratitude. Um, because it's that forced unplug, like you bring your phone in there, your phone's going to overheat and die. Um, right. And it's too hot to, to read because the pages fall out of the books. Um, so it's like, there's not much That's you can do That's such a good besides. idea. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, so I was doing that three times a week. So like, yeah, per- performance and health benefits of the sauna aside, um, I miss the, the mental benefit of just like sitting and doing nothing and Practicing doing nothing in this like hyper paced world we live in where everybody's connected all the time because, you know, we're behind our laptops or available on the phone or whatever.
0: I feel like that's the next frontier for me in terms of what I do for myself. It's unplugging meditation. (laughs) It's something that, you know, running is sort of a moving meditation for me. And I definitely unplug, but I plug into other stuff like I'm thinking, I'm innovating. I'm listening to amazing music. I'm taking in all the sights around me. I'm present in my sport. So I'm unplugged, but I do not, I do realize that that's not real meditation.
1: Yeah. It's, it's therapeutic, but yes. helpful. Um, switching gears entirely, um, Marnie on the move, the podcast, where, where did your podcast come from? And for those who aren't listeners or haven't tuned in yet, uh, what's the what's the elevator pitch?
0: Elevator pitch. I talk to founders, entrepreneurs, athletes, recreational, professional, elite, experts in wellness, doctors, uh, psychics, astrologers, all different realms of wellness, and talk to them about their wellness, their health, their fitness, their exercise, and of course, I get their story, their brand story and, you know, what fuels them for success and exercise and health. That's the that's sort of what you'll hear when you come to my podcast. And it's people from all industries. So it could be, you know, Cynthia Rowley, the world famous fashion designer that's, you know, currently playing on the pod or it can be, you know, Ed. Yogi Eddie Stern or Gil Blander, the founder of Inside Tracker, my my favorite health and wellness company, Uh, nutritionists, you name it.
1: Where did the idea for the podcast come from?
0: So it really came from my own personal interests and observations as somebody who is an entrepreneur who is very busy, always on the move. I did spend a good portion of my career working in PR and you really- It's a 24-hour job. I've always found time to exercise and work out. And especially when I started doing endurance sports, it was just so helpful for me to be even more successful in my career. And I noticed that a lot of the people that I was working with also had a really good health and wellness routine and rituals that they did, as well as exercise. And many of them were endurance athletes And I just felt like, you know, some of them weren't my clients. Some of them were just people that I would meet. There would be like media executives, on-air hosts, um, because I was working in PR, founders of companies. And I just felt like that was a story that needed to be told to people who were not exercising, were not into health and wellness, that maybe couldn't find time to do those things and to show them that some of the most successful people in the world have exercise and wellness routines, and they find the time. And it's kind of my mission in life to really empower and inspire people through exercise and wellness and help them discover methods, ideas, products, people that can help them the way they help me.
1: It's fascinating to hear all of that. Um, it's mu- it's pretty similar to uh, why I started the podcast. Just started this podcast just having interesting conversations with interesting people that I wanted to share um and hopefully uh there are good takeaways um so it's cool to to hear um similar alignment similar mission um in yours and your your roster of guests has been um fascinating and very broad which I think is super cool um what's what's your goal with the podcast what's the um what's the Holy grail? Like, I want this to happen.
0: Well, that is such a good question. I mean, there are so many goals. So let me think about that. The Holy grail, you know, I would love, I'm always, I would love to bring these conversations to more people to always, you know, get out there and get more listeners, you know, get listeners that normally wouldn't be interested in some of the com- the people that I have that, you know, they discover them on my podcast and they suddenly decide they are going to get healthy or they want to learn more about this exercise or start doing endurance sports or start running. And, you know, really my goal is to really get the message out there that, you know, everyone can do these things. Everyone can learn. Everyone can discover, uh, you know, the Holy Grail is really to grow it to, uh, you know, maybe write a book someday about the workouts of successful entrepreneurs and founders. I mean, maybe a little bit deeper than that. And, uh, you know, just grow it, start a YouTube channel. Um, you know, I just started a weekly newsletter that's bi weekly currently, but the goal is weekly. I have lots of goals. So there's no one main goal. There's just lots of sub-goals. I think that's kind of how I set goals anyway.
1: That makes sense. Um, does it?
0: Yeah. I don't know if it makes yeah, sense.
1: But. No, it, do, it does. <laughs> um, what have been some of the biggest takeaways that you've had with uh, with some guests?
0: So one of the things that, the biggest takeaway is that every single person that starts a company works really hard for years before you even know about that company. Yeah. and everyone has the same struggle. You know, you always question, people always, you always question like some, at some point, why am I doing this? You know, and then you have to come back to your mission and your goal and keep going forward. And I think it's like that voice that comes into your mind that, you know, or whether that sort of, it's like a challenge to yourself and you have to stay the course. And then the other thing, you know, outside of You know, nothing, an overnight success takes 20 years or 10 years. The other thing is that failure is a really amazing lesson that no matter at what level, like whether your goal is to run a two hour, you know, for me, it was like running a 145 half marathon. And I haven't done that yet. I'm not that fast, you know, and I was on track to do that. And so I haven't done that. I've done a lot of races and I've gotten really close and that's a failure to me in that moment, but it's not, but I learn, I learn and I recalibrate. And I think a lot of my guests also like even with work, you know, if something doesn't work, if it's just not going anywhere, like move on, move forward. And I feel like that's a lesson that's really common in a lot of my guests who are primarily, you know, founders, entrepreneurs, or athletes is that you have to keep moving forward and, Keep setting new goals and be able to be resilient and flexible and pivot. That's what I hear a lot of on my podcast.
1: Yeah, I forget who said it, but somebody smart said uh, failure is the is the greatest teacher uh, because it's only a failure if you if you don't learn from it. And failure right. is just and a data point.
0: It's how you respond to it too, right? Yeah, I think um, it's very so, important.
1: Totally, um, Peter Bromka, who who I. Joke is the most referenced uh, guest on this podcast, um, and I were talking about um, diving deeper into conversations with athletes and and whatnot. And he's particularly interested in this failure aspect. He's he's attempted to run under the Olympic marathon trials standard twice, and he's run two nineteen low both times. And two nineteen is the Trials standard for men, uh, for better or right. for worse. And he ran a 219 like and several seconds. And his story leading up to and after is fascinating, but he's always pressing me to ask people more about failures and how they've rebounded and pivoted and whatnot. So I want to hear from you. Tell tell me about a failure of yours and what where it led you.
0: So I think, you know, that's a really, first of all, that's a really good question. And I think for me, like if I'm thinking about athleticism, I think, you know, for me, it's one of my biggest failures is setting some crazy goals for time when I do my races and I think the biggest lesson I learned from that is how to set goals for myself, to set myself up for success. Because I think sometimes when you are racing and training, you have this like vision of, you know, what is going to be a time that you can achieve before you start training for it. And then as you're training for it, it starts to kind of unravel. And sometimes you can get there. But if it's like a crazy time, you have to do the work. And if you can't do the work, you're not going to get that time. And I think that for me, as somebody who's always, like, setting these, like, sort of harder, more challenging goals for myself, I learned that lesson a long time ago. And it's not really a failure, I guess. But to me it is because I'm, like, constantly doing that.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a process. Um,
0: yeah, sorry. <laughs> and then uh, I think with – yeah. I think no, with career – no, nah, I think with career, like – I really, I think that where I look is where I go. And sometimes I move too quickly away from something before I give it enough time to grow. And so in my career, I feel like I've moved on from things too quickly. And then I, in retrospect, look back and think I should have given that more time or more space and had more patience with that to let it grow.
1: What's an example of that?
0: So like, you know, I started uh, way back when, before blogs were popular, I started working on a blog for my business. And I just kind of like let it go because it wasn't my thing. You know, I really wasn't someone who wanted to sit and write and, you know, write all these articles and constantly be in that space. Like I realized like I would rather... Be talking and doing and in a different way. And so I let it go. And then, you know, blogs were and still are one of the most amazing tools for brands to generate content. And I do this for other companies, but I just kind of didn't want to do it for myself anymore. And I should have had more patience.
1: It's an interesting um, point. I started a newsletter last fall and I did 20-ish issues of it. And then I don't want to say I got bored of it, but I, I, it was filling a, I think I was bored in life. And so I was like looking yeah. for more, more things to fill, um, you know, a lack of a social calendar. And I was like, sure, I'll do a, you know, a newsletter. And it would, that's what would take up my Thursday night. And I would, you know, it would be therapeutic and I'd write about my week in running and ramble on, you know, even more long form than what I do on Instagram and, (laughs) and send out a couple articles that I like, And, uh, you know, I got some good feedback from it and, um, I don't know. I had a couple hundred people on the, on the list. So it wasn't, it wasn't massive by any stretch or any standard, but, um, and then I stopped doing it in January. I just got like too busy and, now it's like a an afterthought. Like I haven't thought about it in months, and I wonder like it w- is that something that I should have do- kept doing and and right. stayed consistent with? I don't know, but uh, I feel like it served its purpose, and maybe that's maybe that was the same with blogging for you, and maybe you'll come back to yeah. it. And maybe I'll come back to it. But um, yeah, I think uh, I think things come and go and sort of ebb and flow, um, and not forcing things sometimes is is the best way to do it.
0: I think so. And I also learned that like who I am, you know, we started this conversation with who is Marnie Salop. And one of the things that one of my biggest observations in life thus far is it's really important to really be honest with who you are. And like, even though I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to do these blogs, like that's not really who I was at the time. And it really isn't who I am. I'm much more of a podcaster. I'm much more of someone who I can talk and I can have conversations and I can do video if I'm going to talk about content for myself. I'm only talking about for myself. And I realize like that's just who I am and I'm okay with that, you know. I'm I'm like willing to let it go, but you're right. Like, you know, maybe there'll be a time when it will come back and you know maybe when I grow the podcast and I have a team of 20 people working for me. Somebody will be in charge of the blog, <laughs> but for now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love that. Um, Mary Johnson on this podcast talked about seasons of life with running. And I think we have seasons of life with work stuff and um, projects like this and whatnot. And I think that, um, like I said, it's only natural to, let it ebb and flow and my coach my coach always reminds me um the most important thing or one of the most important things is the mo- in the moment is to be having fun and if you're not having fun doing something what's the point you know uh, a yeah. job aside and whatnot um or paying bills aside and, and whatnot but I think it's it's important to come back to and like if you weren't having fun or if it wasn't satisfying for you to be putting out content in written form versus audio form. Um, why do it?
0: Yeah. I think it's also like you talked about running, you know, it's the same thing with running. It's like picking a distance and then committing to that distance and then realizing, you know, maybe that's not for you and that's okay. And so do, do you, I I really have, that has been a big lesson for me.
1: Do you, uh, (laughs) Do you. That'll be the name of the podcast. Do you. <laughs> um, <laughs> switching gears a little bit, um, yeah. but not much. Uh, what does what does success mean to you?
0: So success for me is achieving both short-term and long-term, long-term goals. So it's like a state of mind. It's a sense of accomplishment. And I really try to find ways to set myself up for success every day whether it's at work or training. So, it can be the simplest thing like get out the door, go for your run or send these five emails or it can be completing a half Ironman or PRing in a race I've already done or finishing a marathon. But I have to do something every day that sets me up for success that I can check off my list that makes me feel good and reminds me that, you know, everything is fun
1: what were those things today
0: so far I haven't done them well this podcast is definitely one of them because I'm very excited <laughs> to be on your podcast and that was definitely one of the things I wanted to do over the last few months since we've been talking and since you were on Marnie on the move but I have a run scheduled for later today and that will be my big thing for the day
1: nice well um, my next question was going to be uh, have you run yet today I um, so I'm gonna I'm going to adjust the next question. And uh, why are you going for a run today?
0: So I am training for a virtual half marathon and a triathlon. And so today the run is part of my training, and I'm really really excited because it's my favorite kind of run. It's an interval tempo speed run. So I'm doing 400s, 800s, one one mile and some shorter 200s and a totaling eight miles uh, for my run. And I, I'm doing it on the treadmill, which I also really love.
1: You love the treadmill?
0: I do. I, I do. And I think it has, yeah, I think it has to do to with, each their own. Um, yeah, I love running on the treadmill because I love having the same environment for that kind of run every time. I also love the track, but it's just, you know, I want to be able to successfully get my run done. And so if I schedule the track into my program, the run probably won't happen.
1: Got it. I imagine it's a beautiful day in uh, New York today, right?
0: It is. It's a little windy and very cold, but it it looks beautiful. Sun's out. Got it.
1: What's the, is the goal for the half to break 145?
0: No, that is not possible this year. (laughs) not yet. I think I'm going to be happy running a half marathon in 2 hours, honestly. And yeah, not. that's like I got so slow in the last year and I really need to do a lot of work to get my speed even close to where I was and where I want to be. But that's that's cool like I have plenty of time. You know, I'm not in a race yet.
1: <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I think the um you get it back a lot faster than you get it. So um, that's, yeah, I'm a that's little a older thing.
0: now. And, uh, you know, it takes a little bit more work. And <laughs> I understand it took me a long time just to be able to say that out loud, by the way, like that I'm okay with it. And that I realize that it is going to take me a while to get to a place where I want to be. But um, that's running. And then right? it's how it and shows then you who happens. you are.
1: And then and what then, happens? You, you set another goal.
0: Yeah, I have to set another goal. I mean, once I reach that goal, then I have to set the next goal.
1: What's, um, what is the piece that you're looking forward to most about that, about that race or about that, um, I guess, virtual race?
0: So the half marathon. Yeah. I'm looking forward to really, to doing it, to having that mileage, like done and gotten back to a place where I used to be before COVID. I was, you know, half marathon was so easy for me. And it was kind of like, you know, a normal distance for me. And I just really haven't done that in the past year. And I know that it's a small distance for you, right? But it's all perspective. And for me, it will just make me feel a little bit more like things are sort of back to normal. So I'm really looking forward to just getting outside, you know, I'm going to do it in April and running in Central Park or running on the West Side Highway and just going further longer and just being out in nature and warm weather.
1: (laughs) Yes. Er, Yeah, it's wild. The the warmer, yes. The context is everything. Um, You've made that comment, oh, it's a short distance for you. And I'm thinking about it and I've run 12 miles or more once in the last um, six weeks. And ah. I, I didn't realize that I, I've been doing, um, so I'm, I'm in Breckenridge, Colorado, and it's 10,000 feet here. And my, my weekday runs are between six and 10 miles. Um, but <laughs> I've done one proper long run and it was 12 miles and it took me two, over two hours because I was, first of all, it was 9,000 feet and I was running through six yeah. inches of powder. So like. I'm, I'm used to running 12 miles in, I don't know, like 90 minutes, just right around there. And it was, it was two hours and 10 minutes or something like that. And it's just like, it's so different out here and the context of now 12 miles feels far, (laughs) which, which is like, I, I ran 45 miles two years ago, which is crazy that it's now two years ago, but Is that totally
0: Um, surreal for you that you did that and now you're doing this?
1: Yeah, it's, it is surreal. And, and I finished it in that day and I was like, I still can't believe I did this. Um, but, but yes, the context is everything. And, um, I like, I haven't seen fast paces in, (laughs) in eight, in six weeks, (laughs) um, which is, which is wild. I mean, I ran like a six minute high six minute mile the other day. I was like, wow, I haven't done that in a long time. Um, but yeah, it, the context is everything. And I think even the context comparing yourself to yourself is important to be aware of because like we talked about the seasons of running and the consistency is different or the weather is different or whatever. Um, so it's, it's always important to sort of give yourself that grace that, um, where you're at is okay. Just keep going.
0: Do you love being at altitude? I'm so jealous right now.
1: (laughs) I love what altitude offers and the views. Uh, I was watching a a conversation on Twitter the other day comparing – or it was uh, Lauren Paquette who was a guest on the podcast a couple weeks ago. And she said that – she basically said, I've lived at both altitude and in high humidity areas, and high humidity is always harder. Um, Altitude, you – I guess you get used to it. I mean, I'm still like winded when I put on my pants here, but mm-hmm. um, but but the views that you get from being in the mountains like this are just insane. Uh, Ten thousand feet is a little high. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I it's it's challenging to run uphill. Uh, it's challenging to do like prehab and and core exercises. I was in a PT clinic this morning. And he was having me do single leg um, squats with a band. <laughs> I was like, I'm winded. Like, I promise you I'm more fit than I appear. Um, he's like, right. it's okay. It's, you know, we're up high. Um, but yeah, I love it. It's, it's just another challenge and another variable. And you get used to it and adapt and then it changes. And then you're going to be so fast when you get back to Boston
0: or Massachusetts. Yeah, that's
1: <laughs> that's going to be fun. I, should, so my yeah, my my half marathon PR is uh, 127. And I ran that in my marathon in, um, 2019. And so I, I want a PR by five minutes. That's the, that's the scary goal that I'm, <laughs> that I'm setting for myself. Uh, oh my so I'd God. like to see, like to see a 122 on the, on the clock on there. Um, but it will be, uh, it'll be quite an, quite an experience to come back down from, um, two months at this elevation and, uh, See what it feels like to breathe that sea level air again.
0: Well, they always say, "Train high, race low."
1: (laughs) They do say that. There are a lot of successful athletes that (laughs) that I don't know who they are, but hey. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, back back over to you. This is a sorry conversation (laughs) about you. No, it's all good. Um, So, fast forward five to ten years. This is a question I love. I love asking. Fast forward five to 10 years, what are you really proud of?
0: Hmm. Well, that is also a really awesome question. (laughs) Five to 10 years from now, let's start with five. Ten is too far. I will have done at least one Ironman and two marathons. Not part of the Ironman, just to be clear, like solo events I will 100% be back to my or at a sub 145 half marathon. Maybe I will qualify for Boston, which is the race that I originally wanted to do and is why I started doing marathons in New York City. Um, And in terms of career, Five years, I've been building separately from the podcast a network of podcasts and shows for brands and other people. And I'd really like to see that part of my business grow. So I would be really proud if I could get this off the ground further than it already is. It just started about a year and a half ago. So I feel like five years will be like the point where it's like people will suddenly realize it's happening. That's me, five to 10 years, career, athlete.
1: <laughs> I love it. And it, it it gets back to something that you flagged or, or acknowledged from your guests that like success doesn't happen overnight. And anyone who's ever done anything worthwhile, like you don't see the first 98% of it. Um, so I think that's always an important piece to, um, to consider. I also want to ask something that uh, you just mentioned that I always have to ask about when it comes up. Uh, why Boston?
0: Because it's like the holy grail of marathons. I mean, one of them, right? And I I started my one of my athletic journeys in Boston as a windsurfer with friends who I used to sail with out there. And I love Boston. I like the city. I like the terrain. I've been out to Wellesley. I like the hills. I, I just love it. I like the weather too, even if it is raining. (laughs) Uh,
1: um, Have you spectated before?
0: Not the Boston Marathon, no. But I've been there, like so. I've I've not spectated. Like I haven't been on the course watching the runners. No.
1: Got it. I know you have. uh, That's how you started. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, a fateful day in 2013, which uh, went south very quickly, but inspired, I'm sure, quite a lot of people along the way. uh, Well, that's kind of how I started.
0: Yeah, so it was a terrible situation. I started in New York City as a spectator. I've been watching the marathon for years, and then when I had the opportunity to do it, I couldn't couldn't turn down.
1: Why did you say yes?
0: Because I love running, and because I can do anything. Just that
1: simple. It's just <laughs> yeah. that simple. Um, yeah, I think I I, I love that. Um, what do you what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started running?
0: I think when I wish I knew that strength training was important. <laughs> I wish, I wish I knew how <laughs> important that was. <laughs> and I wish I listened to the people that told me that is really, cause it's not that people haven't told me. I I acknowledge that they're speaking and they told me, but I don't turn it into action. And I think one of the things I wish I knew when I started was that is super important to maintain your strength and continue lifting and strength training and doing all those exercises because it really does make a difference in longevity right.
1: and also speed. I totally agree. Um, now apply that same question to the podcast. What do you wish you knew when you started podcasting that you know now?
0: Um, well, I spent a really long time thinking about it. So <laughs> I there's I think what uh, when I started I wish I knew about, no, there, there's really like, there's really not anything from when I started that I wish I knew now. Like I knew a lot when I got started. I hate to say that, but I think what I would love to learn more about as a podcaster is the optimal digital platforms for doing this virtually, which we're doing now, which is wonderful. And this is a great platform, but I think you know, just kind of mastering the art of the virtual conversation and not in person.
1: Yeah, the, the um, there are nuances. Yeah, yeah, it's. I agree. There are nuances that are missed when there's no physical uh, interaction. You don't have the, you know, rapport of, hi, good morning or whatever. And, you know, 10 minutes of small talk to uh, um, get it going and, and then diving into it. Um, it feels a lot more... Um, transactional, I guess, when there's no video component or when there's no face that you can see. um, And it's, it's harder to read cues and, and, you know, know when people are uh, excited about something. So I am very excited for the return of, of in-person podcasting in the next few weeks. I've seen some guests that, um, I've wanted to have on the podcast get vaccinated. So I really want to talk to them, um, and, uh, and things like that. And, and, um, more importantly, that'll mean that races are back and, and traveling is back and, you know, the world is, um, getting closer to healing than, uh, we've been for the last year, which is crazy. The last, uh, trip I went on began a year ago today. Um, which is wild.
0: Yeah. Where were you?
1: Um I went to Utah and then California oh, that was... for the yeah, the Sunto Multisport Camp and then the Core Sports uh triathlon camp.
0: Yeah. I think the other thing, like now that I'm thinking about it while we're talking, the other thing I wish I knew was like how much I would love it because I wish I would have started it sooner. You know, I spent a lot of time thinking about it and I think it's just so natural for me to do the podcast and it like makes me feel good every day when I talk to people and I love being on your podcast and it's just such a, it's so much fun. And then, you know, through COVID, it's just been really amazing.
1: Totally. I agree. Um, I knew absolutely nothing about podcasting when I started. I still know almost nothing. (laughs) Just the fact that I like to do it (laughs) and have some people that want to chat. Um, last question. If someone wants to follow along with you and your adventures or your podcast, where can they find you?
0: So you can find me at Marnie on the Move on Instagram or Marnie Salop on Instagram. You can also go to my website at Marnie on the move.com. and those are my places that I'm most active. You can also find me on Strava on Zwift. I'm a big Zwifter, and uh, yeah. Did I not mention something I should mention?
1: Um, you can you listen to the podcast. Your your TikTok or your Clubhouse links.
0: Oh yes, I am. You can follow me on TikTok, Marnie Salop and Marnie on the Move. where you can watch countless dog videos and running videos. You can also follow me on Clubhouse. I'm not doing anything yet, and um, and also hey,
1: drop your My- uh, MySpace link.
0: Yeah, my MySpace link is uh, Marnie Salop and MySpace and also Foursquare and Twitter. No, I don't use Twitter, but- um, Uh, Meerkat. (laughs) Yeah, you know, the dark ages type stuff. And uh, yeah, no, but but I think like most importantly, the website, Instagram, and of course, listen to the podcast, Marnie on the Move.
1: Awesome. Well, Marnie on the Move, thanks so much for taking some time to chat. Um, And uh, we'll see you out there.
0: This has been so much fun, John. Thank you so much.
1: Of course. Likewise. Take care. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next time on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.